0: Hello and welcome to the Earthside Echo, your source for all the latest dispatches from Earthside. When the rift between Earth and Malifaux opened, Malifaux's lakes and oceans flooded into the city of London and with them came the gibbering hordes. The creatures of the hordes find themselves trapped in a strange new world with strange new prey to hunt. Only the strongest are adapting and surviving. Only the most cunning are thriving. I hope you enjoy part one of The Hunter's Prey.
1: Scar-Eye swam in patient circles through the depths. His brothers and sisters drifted at the edge of his senses, spirits pulsing their hunger. Dim light, filtered through the ocean leagues from a sun Scar-Eye had never seen, Sketch shadows in the water above him. There was no prey worth noting, nothing but the vast and empty sea. The rest of his hunters hummed with anticipation that tasted like disappointment. They were beginning to question his lead. Vast and empty! The voice was just a whisper through the darkness, one of the hunters giving thought to the shiver's frustration.
2: Empty, but for hunger. Another whispered. Empty of promised blood. Blood was promised by the scar dye. Blood for our hunger, flesh to fill our teeth. A shadow
1: flickered at the edge of Scar vision, one of the hunters drawing close, challenging. The black wedge of its body cut smoothly through the waters, angling to a path that would take it beneath Scar the hunter's path.
2: Without blood, there is death. We must move on. The prey will come.
1: Scarai pushed back. He kept his course, ignoring the challenger's threat, exposing his belly. Scarai couldn't acknowledge every pup who thought their teeth were sharp enough to defeat the alpha.
2: Hunt with
1: patience. I will bring you blood. We will have blood, the challenger whispered, ever closer, already swimming up towards scar impatient. It was Blackback again. She had been pressing against scar authority since almost dying to a tangle of blood vine. There will be prey. A shadow flashed out of the depths, hammering into Blackback, folding her at the belly from nose to tail. The impudent pup sank, dazed and bleeding into the darkness. Skarai's defender flicked his maimed tail, acknowledging the alpha's lead. It was Halffin, a loyal lieutenant to Skarai, mostly because he posed the only threat to Skarai's rule. Halfin tolerated no challengers except himself. With the pup silenced, Halffin silently slipped away. Any further conflict was deterred by the arrival of the promised prey. A monster swam through the darkling water above. Weak light, filtered and cold so far from the surface, glanced off its gnarled shell. Its mass was wreathed in tentacles that squirmed in fluid waves, propelling it forward. A hundred eyes stared out from it like iron jewels into the darkness. Its mouth unfolded and scooped up the silt-thick waters. Sated, the beast twisted up toward the light, casting its shadow into the depths never seeing the darting shapes of Skari in his shiver. The hunters followed its silhouette. There were sleek darts of muscle and bristling jaws, their fins cutting through the icy water like knives. They swam in tight formation, with Skari at the head, the shiver suddenly coalescing around him like arrows in a quiver. Their eyes were intent on their prey. The behemoth did not sense them until they struck, until its blood clouded the waters— until the shiver's legion of teeth cut through its flesh. It lashed out, thrashing with its massive tentacles, batting aside one attacker only to be swarmed by three others, turning its shell to the assault, inadvertently exposing its soft flesh to the hidden jaws waiting in the shadows. It cried out a mournful wail that echoed through the depths, but its dirge was drowned in blood. The hunters tore it apart, turning flesh into a milky cloud that drifted in the bloody waters— they fed and were lost in the frenzy of their hunger. Blood and flesh, scar whispered through the minds of his shiver.
2: Flesh and
1: hunger,
2: they responded. Blood in our jaws and flesh in the water. It was a litany of blood,
1: the call to feed, and an exaltation of the hunt. scar reinforced his place and the shiver announced their prize. The words pulsed through the water, riling the feeding frenzy and driving the shiver into delirium. Scarai broke away from the frenzy, swimming high above the cloud of blood that had once been a great beast. He swam lazy circles in the gloom. The shiver would feed. They would remember his promise, the blood he had delivered, and the challenge he had faced. His rule was branded in their minds. It would stand until the next challenge— "'until the hunger came again "'and the blood was forgotten. "'But for now, "'Scar-Eye was safe. "'He was sated. "'They were so consumed in their gorging "'that none of the hunters "'saw the new light dawning in their midst. "'Like lightning crackling in a storm-heavy cloud, "'forks of light flashed through the bloody waters. "'Only Scar-Eye, from his orbit high above, "'saw what was happening. "'Danger!' "'He thought,' but the warning slid off the minds of his shiver, locked as they were in their frenzy. He flicked his tail in irritation, but as the strange light grew and spread, he realised he had to do something.
2: Danger!
1: Scar-Eye dove, swimming hard into the thick blood of their prey. His mind reeled, the hunger gripping him, the shiver's hunger impulse nearly seizing him. He shook the frenzy off, looking for Halfin but the blood-clouded water filled with flecks of floating meat obscured his vision. Scarai pushed his spirit out into the darkness. Halffin was out there, feeding, frenzying. Scarai swam toward him. He found his lieutenant at the heart of the shiver, body thrashing back and forth as he tried to crack the monster's spine. Scarai struck him with his nose, twitching back as Halffin turned and snapped. Danger! Threat! "'Light!' scar screamed, the thoughts unfamiliar to this shiver of deep-sea predators. Slowly, half mind cleared, his attention locked to scar commands, and together they turned to the centre of spreading light.
2: "'Danger!' half ventured the thought, feeling around the edges of the threat. "'It's teeth in our belly, our blood in the water!' More than
1: that, Scarai answered, though he couldn't place the source of his fear. Stories stirred in his mind, legends passed through the depths, memories of light that burn the darkness.
2: We must run.
1: Harfin turned toward Scarai, and for a moment the alpha thought his lieutenant might strike him down right there for even mentioning retreat.
2: We are hunters, never prey. Harfin flicked
1: closer, the blood from the prey hanging in clouds around his head. His teeth shone
2: bright in the gore. Only hunger kills. Only hunger is to be feared. There is more than feeding and fear, Scar-Eye answered. Understand that, or you will never read. Until you lead, you must fear. Follow.
1: Halfin circled slowly, the danger below them growing in tempo with Scar-Eye's impatience. Halfin's mind was as still as stone, his boiling
2: anger deeply buried. Perhaps it is time you followed. Halfin pressed. Perhaps it is
1: my... Scar-Eye struck without warning, the stone-hard hammer of his nose landing between the challenger's eyes, momentarily stunning him. Before Halffin could recover, Scarai gently folded his teeth over the lieutenant's tail. Halffin is better than none. Scarai pressed his teeth against Halffin's flesh, drawing blood. The taste of it nearly frenzied him. Only the memory of the lightning threatening the rest of his shiver kept him sane. Today
2: is not your day. Peace, then. For now.
1: The threat passed, but it was another tooth in Scar-Eye's belly, another step closer to being prey. The pair flicked their tails and gathered the shiver, pulling them away from their feeding, trying to get them clear of the spreading light. It was too late. The depths began to change, currents forming around the light, sucking in the lingering flotsam of the dead behemoth and drawing the shiver with it. Suddenly, the waters parted like cracks in a window, and a strange vision formed in the void. Grey shapes, rigid and square, and tiny figures turning toward the light. In the streets of London, the ocean flooded in. Blood and flesh and freezing water, and a school of hunters already mad with gore. They crashed into the unfamiliar world of cobblestone streets and stone buildings, thrashing as the torrent of water washed them through the alleys. Blinded by light, smashing against stone and fragile flesh, they lashed out at anything that came close. Their iron-hard teeth cut into wood, into screaming flesh, into stone that splintered under the force of their jaws. The waters churned with the fury of their passing. Scarai flopped gracelessly onto a muddy street, crashing into a wooden carriage and crushing it under his weight. The prey inside screamed, an unfamiliar sound to the predator, high and shrill and loud in the air. Scarai thrashed back and forth, sending splinters of wood and bone flying, snapping his jaws. The flesh he found was thin and stringy, no layers of fat to keep it warm, all bone and muscle. The prey scrambled away from him, falling into deeper water, struggling to get away. He rolled onto his belly. Scarai's gills flared in the thin air. Blood thundered through his veins, clouding his mind. Control, Scar, I thought, pressing down on his emotions and calming the few members of his shiver who flopped nearby. Fear is for prey. Feared is the predator. It had little effect. The water was shallow. The torrent of black ocean pouring down the street was swallowed by a crack in the ground, turning to whitecaps before it disappeared. The street was flooded, but it wasn't enough for Skarai and his shiver to swim. Among the buildings and on the street, unfamiliar prey scattered, climbing away, trying to run, sometimes falling and disappearing in the roaring torrent. Skarai saw prey he recognized as well: crawlers and whelks and skulkers, all just as terrified as his shiver. Some of them moved like the new prey, vestigial arms and legs returned to their original purpose. "'pushing awkwardly against the ground. "'Scarai wondered, and then he tried. "'He stood, tottering and weak, "'arm propped against the ruined shell of the carriage. "'Shivar! Rise!' "'Scarai pushed out into the minds of his followers. "'The strange thought filtered through their terror, "'slowly drawing them closer to him, "'the first squirming steps becoming understanding. "'Some didn't respond.' their rage consuming them, leaving them thrashing on the cobbled street. His thoughts reached even the deep prey, a clutch of skulkers that fell into his wake. scar nearly snapped at them, but then decided he would rather have them at his side until he could figure out this new, dry ocean. He motioned toward the churning waters. Depths,
2: and the prey, dive!
1: The shiver struggled toward the disappearing water, some finding their legs, others squirming like eels in the shallows. One by one, they slithered down into the earth, following the currents into the darkness. Their thoughts echoed with contentment, trust, and praise for Skari and his strength. Harfin stood beside Skari as the shiver fled, already looking more comfortable on his legs than Scarai, flexing muscles made strong by swimming, now bent to new purpose. When the rest were gone, Harfin slipped smoothly into the torrent. Scar-Eye paused, looking around the rapidly flooding street, the buildings that were slowly collapsing under the pressure of the ocean's
2: depths and the sky. New prey, new predators, a new ocean to hunt.
1: He fell into the water, letting the current carry him down, down, down. The cold depths filling his gills with the promise of new blood. The water of their new home was filthy. Slicks of oil and mud fouled Eye's gills, and the walls of the ocean tangled with broken masonry, jumbled machines and broken pipes. The shiver, accustomed to hunting and swimming in vast depths, were pressed together like a school of prey. The skulkers that followed them flitted from crevice to cranny, careful to stay away from the shiver's snapping jaws. Skarai couldn't decide what to do with them, but they responded to his commands, and followed his lead. That was enough for now. Harfin swam at his side, strong legs scrambling against the walls whenever the way grew tight. The lieutenant was adjusting well to their new world, gills flaring with excitement whenever the shiver came across some strange aspect of the tunnels. Scar, I couldn't imagine what purpose this place served. Other than a cage of iron and glass filled with recently dead prey, the tunnel seemed abandoned. "'Violent currents ripped through the passages, "'sometimes bringing with them fields of trash and bodies.
2: "'What ocean is this?' "'Scarai mused. "'Stones of metal. "'Tunnels black with not blood, not water. "'Everything is already dead. "'It is a scavenger ocean. "'This place is not for hunters at all. "'We will make it an ocean for hunters.' Halfin answered, "'Where there is prey, there will be predators. "'We will become this ocean's predator.' "'Tiny ocean, foul water, thin blood.'
1: The shiver's thoughts drifted through the tunnels behind them, a storm of dissatisfaction and even fear. Blackback, her pride still stinging from half humbling prior to the behemoth kill, was among them. She was gathering the shiver's descent and directing it at Skari. The pup was preparing for another challenge. Skarai turned on them.
2: Thin blood, but ours for the taking. Foul water, but we shall rule it. An ocean this small must lead somewhere, to a stream or river or sea. We will find the deeper waters and make them ours.
1: They were Halffin's thoughts, though Scar-Eye said them. He looked over at his lieutenant and saw approval, but also greed. He would have to be careful that Halffin did not take the opportunity presented by this new and dangerous ocean to replace Scar-Eye. He could not let that happen. There is
2: blood ahead, and clean water. Halffin said, "Can you taste it?"
1: Scar-Eye didn't answer. The blood of the soft land fish left him feeling empty. This killing in an iron-bound sea was not a hunt. It was the work of scavengers. Scar I wanted more. He would find it. Water gushed around the jammed subway car, forced into the narrow channel to either side of the carriage and between the wheels. The glass windows of the car hadn't yet shattered, but it was only a matter of time. The water in the flooded station was already up to Private Briggs' waist, and it was rising fast. Briggs, Coldridge, Hemet, his sergeant boomed. Secure those civilians before they drown. Get in there. Briggs looked nervously at his three fellows. They were holding their rifles over their heads, squinting down into the water that swirled over the steps underfoot. The floor of the station was obscured by the flotsam that was flooding in from the tubeway. Briggs took a careful step down into the station, and then another. The water was nearly to his armpits, before he stopped descending. "'Leave your rifles here, you fools,' the sergeant said. "'Wet powders as much use as tits on a cabbage.' "'Tits on a cabbage,' Briggs muttered. He turned and passed his rifle back to the sergeant and his little party on the stairs, then sloshed toward the jammed carriage. "'Where do these things come from?' No way I'm leaving my banger behind, Coldridge said. I seen things in them waters, nasty things.
2: Nasty as cabbage tits,
1: Briggs asked. Whatever's in there isn't half as nasty as it's going to be for you if you don't save
2: those damn civilians,
1: the sergeant growled.
2: Now get moving.
1: Reluctantly, the trio waded toward the flooded tunnel. The pale faces of a dozen passengers were pressed against the windows A thin line of water slowly rose on the interior of the car and pressurised streams shot out from a dozen cracks in the subway car's walls. If Briggs and his crew didn't break them out soon, the invading ocean would do it for them, and with less care. Ain't these lines electric? Coldridge asked. He was hanging back from the other two, taking his time with each step. Hemet snorted. If the power was on, we'd already be cooked, Cole. Try not to think so much, will you? Gets in the way of doing. Hemet said. He reached the subway car, looking down its length into the tunnel beyond. Three cars, but the other two looked flooded. Hope the knobs got out before that happened. They're past caring if they didn't, Briggs said. Can we force the doors from the outside? Hemet gave the door a shake, but it didn't budge. Nah, no, it's bent straight through. We're going to have to break the windows. Could really use our rifles. I'll get... Cordridge started. Hemet grabbed the collar of his coat. Nah, you won't. They're already starting to crack. Nothing some good old infantry shoulder work can't fix. Briggs got the attention of the frightened passengers and motioned for them to move back from the window. Then the three troopers lined up their shoulders and started to heave against a thick glass. With each surge, the window creaked and a little more water came out of the pane. It made a terrible sound. When this window goes... Coldridge muttered between shoves. Yeah, we're going to have to move fast. And they're getting more water in there now. It'll flood. In fact, the water inside the car was nearly to the ceiling. Through the murky glass, Briggs saw passengers standing on the seats, trying to find air in the small space above the windows. He grimaced and put his back into it. Hemet was grunting with each push, urging them on. Come on! Crunch. Lads, we've... Crunch. Almost. Got here. There was a bang, and then a strangled cry from inside the carriage. The subway car shuddered. At first, Briggs thought the car was coming loose. Then the water inside the car turned bright red. He stepped away from the window. What the hell is... The window pane broke, spraying glass and bloody water everywhere. He and Caldridge were swept back, but Hemet anchored himself to the door and held on against the flood. Once the initial flood was passed, the big private swung closer to the broken window, looking for survivors. A loud crunch echoed through the submerged station, and half of private Hemet slid into the water. Coldridge was already running, hampered by both the deep water and his panic. Briggs took a hesitant step backwards and nearly fell over when something large and grey loomed into the space of the broken window. It looked like a shark only heavily muscled and standing on two legs, with corded arms gripping the private's severed torso. Blood flowed down from its jaws, jaws that were lined with teeth the size of pound coins, hundreds of them. One of its eyes was scarred over, the surface milky and white, but the other was as black and empty as a seer's glass ball. The beast dropped what remained of Private Hemet, put his hands on the jams of the broken window, and pushed. The metal bent and twisted, tearing apart with a shriek. Briggs turned and ran, trying to swim in the heavy wool of his uniform, his feet slipping against the marble floor whenever he touched down. On the stairs, the sergeant formed the rest of the squad into a gun line. The crackle of rifle fire deafened Briggs. He twisted his head around to see if the shooting had worked. The monster slipped into the waters of the flooded station, his body twitching back and forth, as it swam effortlessly toward him the beast's fin cut through the surface of the water fear gripped him stole his strength and sapped the hope from his heart the beast's jaw gripped his waist and pulled him under briggs choked on water as his body was torn in half by the rows of shifting and grinding teeth and the cold waters filled with his blood Scar-Eye came with tooth and claw and reaped blood from the soft flesh of this new prey. The cage of glass and metal was filled with their broken bodies. The rest of the shiver thrashed through the bloody water as the wild feeding turned the surface frothy and pink. Scar-Eye climbed out of the box and surveyed the narrow chamber beyond. Two of the soft prey sloshed awkwardly through the shallow water, nearly as clumsy as Scar-Eye was on dry land when they first came into this world. Perhaps these were pups, not yet fully grown. How large must the adults be? Another line of prey stood on drier ground at the far end of the cave, shouting in their strange voices and pointing sticks at him. Skari slipped into the water, swimming quickly toward the closest prey. Suddenly, the air turned to teeth around Skari. He flinched, his blood leaking into the water, pain coursing through his mind. Eye's anguish caught the attention of the rest of the shiver, but he ignored it. One quick bite killed the nearest prey, the iron taste of blood filling Eye's mouth. He swam forward. The air turned to teeth again, accompanied by a loud shout, like the crack of thunder rolling over the ocean. There was smoke in Eye's gills. The taste of piss washed over Skari as he bumped past another of the soft prey, ignoring the pup for the line on drier ground. They were predators. They were killers. The air turned to teeth at their voice. They must die. The water became too shallow to swim, so scar heaved onto his still weak legs and clambered forward. The crowd of soft prey stared at him with wide, white eyes, several babbling in their strange voices as they ran away, dropping staves of iron and wood. Another loud shout, less organised this time, and the air-teeth cut into Scar-Eye's flesh. The pain was tremendous, a burning fire that dug into his skin and found his belly. Scarai faltered. For the first time, the thought came to him that his prey might kill him, that the sharp voice of their iron staves might be enough to end his time as leader of this shiver. He could feel both half-fin and blackback behind him, excitement tinged with bloodlust. Neither of them were true leaders. They would tear each other apart, and the shiver along with them. I couldn't let that happen. He took a step back, seeking the comforting depths. Half-fin burst from the water and landed mouth-first in the middle of the line of prey. His jaws cracked bones and cut flesh, scattering limbs into the shallow waters, spraying blood on the stone walls. The air stayed silent, keeping its teeth sheathed, the voice of the soft prey silenced. The rest of the prey scattered. The flooded cavern erupted with marine life as skulkers and crawlers joined the rest of the shiver to wash over the soft prey's line. It was a massacre. When it was over, Scar-Eye stood beside the fallen bodies, watching his shiver feed. The prey was thin, wrapped in an inedible sleeve of fibre and steel. Very unsatisfying. One of his shiver tossed aside a splintered bone, his mind rumbling with frantic hunger. The hunter snatched up one of the wooden iron staves that the prey wielded. After a moment's snuffling inspection, the hunter put it in his mouth and cracked it open like a bone, hunting for marrow. The killing voice spoke out again, muffled by the soft flesh of the creature's mouth. A hole burst open above the hunter's eye and a puff of smoke rolled out. He fell dead in the shallow waters of the stairs. The crawlers scuttled away. "'Even dead they kill,' Harfin thought approvingly. He picked up another of the discarded weapons and tossed it to Skarai.
2: "'Soft as they are,' their tools must be respected. Respected and destroyed,
1: scar I answered. He twisted the metal staff in his hands, cracking it open. Black powder ran free like blood, turning the water foul. Black
2: dust that smells like lightning. A coward's weapon. Yes, Harfin responded.
1: But Scar-Eye could sense his curiosity, his greed. Scar-Eye turned away, disgusted, leaving half and the rest of the shiver to sate their hunger.
0: That's it for another episode of the Earthside Echo. Join us next time for the conclusion of The Hunter's Prey.